the book of Colossians chapter number one, and notice with me in verse number 23. Colossians chapter one and verse 23. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, whom now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of the God. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints. To whom God will make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Whereupon, whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. And if you're the habit of marking things in your Bible, when you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Colossians chapter number one. The book of Colossians chapter 1, and notice with me verse 23, the phrase, continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. Let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. And I'm thankful that we have a message here that we can put into practice, that we can continue on. Lord, I recognize I need your grace above and beyond measure, Lord. In fact, it's probably very foolish for me to be here, but I'm thankful that you were able to use the foolishness of man and still get your own work accomplished. So I'm asking you to use me, not because of me, but rather in spite of me, Lord, that you could still get across your message and be a help to these good folks tonight. Open up your word and let this be special as we just open up and see what a wonderful passage this is as an application of what has already been taught. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul in chapter number one has taken some time to present Christ as the creator. He has spent time to present Christ as the head of the church. He spent time to present Christ as the justifier in heaven. He spent time to present Christ that in all things that he might have the preeminence. As a response of seeing Jesus high and holy and lifted up, there should be a natural response to all Christians, to all believers. Continue. You see, if we see God as he truly is, then we should have no problems continuing because our eyes are on him. The problem is, is that so often we get our eyes off of him. When we get our eyes off of him, we fail to continue. Continuing is our main purpose, our main thing that God has given us to do. In fact, notice the very first word in verse 23, if ye continue. The word if in this phrase carries the idea, if so be. In other words, we could say it that there's no doubt about it. It can be said like this, if you continue in your faith, which you would assuredly do because of who Christ is. That's what that word if, it's not a choice. It's saying that, listen, we already know you're going to continue because you're keeping your eyes on Christ. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> Paul is saying because of what Christ has done for us, we will most assuredly continue in the faith. 
Remember, it's all about keeping our eyes on the Lord, seeing him high, holy, and lifted up. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that if we faint in the day of adversity, our strength is small. That's a true statement. How do we get our strength? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Looking up to Christ, seeing him high, holy, and lifted up. So with that in mind, let's walk through this passage and let's learn some things about continuing. Notice, first of all, continue with the gospel. Continue with the gospel. As a reminder, just to define our terms, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that there's a lot of things that people may say is true. In fact, in the South, they have something called, well, that's the gospel truth. And they say it, try to put emphasis that something's true. But may I remind you that not everything is the gospel? Not all of the Bible is the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. What should we be continuing on? The death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is amazing that even Christians can get sidetracked on so many simplifiorous issues that they fail to continue in the one thing God has given us to do, which is the Great Commission, giving the gospel out. We get so busy doing this and doing that and doing that, and we're not continuing. If we see Christ in his rightful place, then we will be grounded and settled in the gospel. Verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and notice this, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. Our God is big enough to have robed himself in this flesh and dwelt among us, to live a perfect life, die on the cross for our sins, and to rise again to live forever. The idea of not being moved away carries the idea of not continue shifted away. Remember that outside there is a cult beginning to be formed. How are they going to not be moved away, the church of Colossae? Is if they are grounded in who Christ is. Looking at Jesus. That if you are firmly planted in Jesus Christ, you won't be moved away. It's all centered about who Christ is. No wonder the enemy wants us to get off on so many other superfluous issues where we're not going to be as grounded at. Spend our time looking at Christ, studying Christ, that I may know him. The church of Colossae had a cult attempting to penetrate the church with false ideas about Christ. The best defense the members of the church had was to see the Lord in his rightful place so they wouldn't be shifted around. The hope of the gospel was the plan that God had in mind from the beginning. The gospel was not plan B. It wasn't that God created a world that man messed it up. God says, all right, now what do I do? But instead, Christ was considered the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. It was always plan A. It was always God's plan to show his love towards people by sending his son to die for them. Now, for the gospel to be carried out, Jesus provided the first century church what is called the Great Commission. The Great Commission can be summarized in two ways, reaching and teaching, soul winning and discipleship. Notice at verse number 23, if you've never highlighted this verse, star this verse. This is one you want to find again some other time. Notice again at verse 23. If ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, notice this, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, where I, Paul, have made a minister. According to verse 23, the entire known world during Paul's day had heard the gospel. 
That doesn't mean everyone got saved, but everyone had heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Why? They continued on. This is about 30 years after Jesus Christ ascended to heaven. 30 years after Jesus went up to heaven, 30 years after the cross, the whole entire world had heard the gospel. That is the game plan. Our job is not to save everyone. Our job is to present people with a clear presentation of the gospel. And it can be done. And God expects it to be done. But we have to continue in the gospel. Not to be distracted. Not to be uh, weighed down. Not to have stumbling blocks. In fact, this is where we are missing it in our, first, our 21st century churches. We are not continuing in the one thing God has given us to do. And because of that, our world has not heard a clear presentation of the gospel. But this is our goal. By the way, what is the problem? Our eyes aren't on Christ. We're distracted with everything else. The cult was threatening the church with false doctrine. And this false doctrine would end up slowing the spread of the gospel and then eventually cause it to stop. We saw that in history and we see that today here. Is that so many people are battling the wrong things and they're not telling people about the gospel they're worried about clouds for Christ and weightlifters for the Lord, jugglers for Jesus. They have all of these other things. They're worried about politics. They're worried about social issues. They're worried about this and that. And failing to do the one thing God has given us to do. Our purpose is to keep our eyes on Jesus. And if we keep our eyes on Jesus, then our natural response will be to continue in the gospel. We know that the Holy Spirit had chosen Paul to be the theologian of the New Testament church. All the New Testament uh, writers had to combat a false gospel. Even in Paul's day that all of them were dealing with a false gospel that was coming up. Whether telling people you could lose your salvation or Christ wasn't enough. It was already a combat and today it's even more of a combatant. All of it is to try to stop the spread of the gospel because we're so busy trying to put out these other fires and our people are not nailed down with the gospel. We know that Jesus said to his disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Anyone who is not a fisher of men, it is evidence you are not following after Christ. He makes it simple. Follow after me. <clears throat> Now, Paul was the one who expounded on the three major mysteries. And Paul is going to speak about these mysteries here. But what is a mystery? The word mystery in the New Testament means something that was previously hidden, but is now revealed. Paul was being used to reveal three truths that were hidden in the Old Testament. Maybe they weren't revealed in the New Testament, but were very important now during the day of Paul and to us now. The three mysteries were, first of all, the mystery of Christ's cross in the book of Romans. That was a big mystery. It was something not revealed in the Old Testament. But now, Christ's cross, this is the salvation to everyone, the preaching of the cross. It changed everything. The Old Testament saints knew that God was going to save people, but they didn't know how. Romans shows it was the cross the whole time. Another mystery that the Apostle Paul was used to reveal uh, 
was the mystery of Christ's church that was revealed in Ephesians and Colossians, meaning that Christ's local New Testament church and the plan that Christ had for the church has been revealed. The church was never shown in the Old Testament. It was never pictured. But now it's been revealed and it's shown to be God's plan. And then we have the mystery of Christ's coming in First and Second Thessalonians, which we covered a little bit in Sunday school. This idea that Christ is coming, and it was the Apostle Paul that was given more details. In the Old Testament, they knew some of the things, but now we'd have more details because God had revealed these three mysteries. The other Pauline epistles are related to these three themes. So, all of Paul's writings, he had 14 books that he penned in the New Testament, either deals with the mystery of the church, the mystery of the cross, or the mystery of Christ's second coming. All the other epistles have those three themes in them somewhere around them. <clears throat> because of the departure of the truth revealed in Romans, Ephesians, and Thessalonians, there's going to be more and more issues that come up, which now brings to one more thing. We see not only to continue in the gospel, but to also to continue in the church. To continue in the church. Notice in verse 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and to fill that which is behind the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Paul links his suffering and the suffering of the church, the body of Christ, with the sufferings of Christ himself. When Saul had hurt the church, Christ had told Saul that Saul had hurt Christ. Jesus suffered for our sins on the cross, but now he also suffers with his saints. That when damage is done to the church, Christ is hurt by that. This is a big deal of God's relationship, Christ's relationship with the church. And he's relating with us. When Paul is writing this, he is currently in prison at Rome. He has a Roman soldier that's tied to him. He is in prison. At this time, his body is a roadmap of scars delivered by both the Romans and Jewish captors. He was chronically ill and he needed a physician to travel with him to continue to survive. And he is saying all of these sufferings are the sufferings for Christ and for his church. There is what, there, what is necessary to continue on. And so if it causes suffering in order to spread the gospel, then I'm willing to suffer. If it's willing to be an inconvenience, I'm willing to be inconvenienced. But the idea is to continue because my eyes are on the Lord and he's allowed to do whatever is necessary. You know, a lot of times we are all amazed about what someone gets accomplished. But the true measure of a man is not what a man accomplishes, but instead, what does it take to stop him? So many people are stopped. They don't continue over so many little things. It's too hot. It's too cold. I don't feel well. It's too inconvenient. It's too pretty outside. There's a ball game going on. What is it that causes you to stop moving forward, to stop continuing? <clears throat> Notice as it goes on in verse number 25. Whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages, from generations, but is now made manifest to 
his saints, to whom God would make known of the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope and glory. Paul was a minister for the church, just as he was a minister of the gospel. He was a servant for this mystery of the church, which is now revealed. He says, what I'm doing is I'm working to help the church move forward. I'm helping to keep this local church moving forward the way that it ought. So many people put the local church in the back burner. And they're not willing to suffer, to help, to do what's necessary to help that local church move forward. You say, why should I help it go forward? Because it is the vehicle that God has chosen to organize our efforts to spread the gospel. The church must be healthy if we're going to adequately and continue to spread the gospel. We must labor for the church. There, I know that not all jobs are fun. Cleaning toilets get boring after a while, but those things are necessary. Vacuuming may be boring. Washing windows. But those things are little things that help us to move forward. All of those jobs become important. All of those things, whether it's soul winning, whether it's knocking on doors, passing on tracks, even if you're not an official soul winning, to still be a faithful witness to pass out tracks, to pass it out to the people you go to the gas station to, the people at the uh, checkout windows when you go get takeout, to be continuing, to be consistent, to be the faithful minister and the servant. The great truth for the Gentiles is the hope of glory. It is the only hope that they have. And I'm thankful that God didn't just leave salvation of the gospel to the Jewish people. He made it for everyone. And our job, our responsibility is to be the ministers of the gospel through the local church to continue on as we keep our eyes on him and do the one thing that God has given us to do, to continue in the church. If you don't mind, there's one last thing. Notice with me, <coughs> continue in the labor of Christ. <coughs> continue in the labor of Christ. Notice with me verse 28. Whom we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man. Notice that whenever God repeats himself and he repeats a phrase, especially in one verse, it is significant. Three times he says every man. Three times we see that we have a responsibility to every man. What are the three things that we are supposed to do for every man? We are to evangelize every man. Notice verse 28, whom we preach warning every man. We're trying to warn them of the penalty to come and that they can have salvation of sins. We are to educate every man by teaching him in wisdom. Whom we preach warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom. We're to teach them what the Bible says. We're placing a great emphasis this year on wisdom. Why? Because we need to teach every man wisdom and how to look to God and how to have wisdom for themselves. And then we're to edify every man. Notice in verse 28, and whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. This word perfect in this case carries the idea to be fully matured in the Lord. That we are to build people up so they are mature in Christ so we can present to them. These are our three things we are to do to every man. To evangelize, to educate, and to edify. To present the gospel, to show them how they can have wisdom for themselves, 
and how to become spiritually mature for themselves. Why? Because Jesus is worth it all. It's all about looking unto Jesus so we may continue. Notice, if you don't mind, one last verse, verse 29. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. May I remind you something that we say often here? You're not capable of doing God's work. None of us are. We must have this working that worketh in me mightily. Meaning this, that God uses human spirituality indwelled by his Holy Spirit. We are not expected to do this all by ourselves. We are to make ourselves a vessel and allow God to use us the way that he sees fit as we're keeping our eyes on him and that we surrender and are fully dependent upon him to get his own work accomplished. You see, the simple principle of this is that if we keep our eyes on him, our natural response, our healthy response, our spiritual response is to continue, is to continue. So dear friend, where are you at? I understand life comes at you. It could be physical health. It could be finances. It could be family. But you get to the place where you want to quit. May I say, probably because of it being common, within the last three months, you've considered quitting. Maybe you just decided to quit reading Bible. Maybe you thought about quitting church. Maybe you just thought you'd quit trying as hard. Let me tell you, the answer is not just to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. You're out, keep your eyes on him. Keep looking at him. Remember that if you faint to the day of adversity, your strength is small. What you need to do is purposely turn your eyes upon the Lord. Look at him. Make a decision to continue after him. It is well worth it. Yes, you may suffer. Yes, it may be inconvenient. But Jesus is worth it all. In fact, it's required that there's sufferings and inconvenience if we are going to tell the entire world the gospel. We are so behind of where Paul was at this time. We have six billion people that have never heard the gospel. Think about that. We have a responsibility to do. And it should be done. And it's expected to be done. And we have a part to play. But it will not be done as long as we play part-time Christians. It will not be done as long as we're messing around with other things. Our responsibility is to keep our eyes upon God and expect Him to do amazing things. Let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father,